There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Whoa, you guys. This episode is wild. I can't believe <laughs> what a good movie. I can't believe I didn't know about this movie before hearing about it. Holy shit! Sammy's recap blows it out of the park per usual. <laughs> blows it right out of the park. Uh, is that the first that knocks it out of the park? Yes. No. Blows it out. Blows it out of the park. Water blows it out of the water. It's all the same thing. And speaking of blowing it out of the water, <laughs> nice. <laughs> We've got some new patrons this week. We got to shout them out. We love them so much. Thank you guys endlessly for supporting us. We love you forever. Starting now, some new members of Tony fucking Colette's inner circle. They now have access to two bonus episodes per month. Ooh, Ooh. Ooh baby. Ooh, baby. <laughs> Ooh, baby. This week, we've got Audrey Brightwell, Rob, Chris Campbell, Kat Shaw, Summer Thompson, Shauna, Poppy, Sunishka Da Silva, and Jenna Crew. We love you guys. We love you guys. But those aren't the only people that we're welcome, welcoming to the inner circle this week. Oh, no, they are not. We've got a couple people who dipped their toe in other other pools of our Patreon. Oh, the other pools of our Patreon. <laughs> then they, their toes got blown out of the water right into <laughs> Tony Vakakalette's inner circle. That's exactly right. Then we have two upgrades this week, and they are Sydney Gardner and Emma Thompson. And we are so glad to have you in this inner circle. Um, and anyone else who wants to get in on this inner circle or our Patreon at all, head to patreon.com slash TSDW podcast. And if you're in Tony Collette's inner circle, heads up that we've got a bonus episode coming out later this month about the green inferno. That is maybe oof, 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 the oof. craziest. It's the craziest one yet. Ever done. It's yeah. by far the craziest one we've ever done. On I it's one that has stuck with me. I mean, I don't you know, I can't even talk about it. Yeah. I, I had nightmares. I couldn't sleep. That yeah, was it was not one. good. It was not good. But the episode I hope is good. And if you're in Tony Fucking Collette Center Circle, you get to hear it. Yeah, baby. Um, but for now you get to hear us talk about a very good movie. And here is this week's episode. This is Emily, Henley, and Sammy, and you're listening to Too Scary Didn't Watch. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Too Scary Didn't Watch, the horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch for themselves. I'm Emily, and I am too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Henley, and I'm also too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Sammy, and I like watching scary movies, and I like uh, telling my my findings. <laughs> Revealing your findings? Revealing my findings. Oh my god, you guys, I'm so tired. It was just daylight savings time. <laughs> uh, telling my findings. Oh god. We were just talking about this before we started recording, and we feel crazy, and we are wondering if it's worse this year because of quarantine. Yeah, listeners... 
Call him. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> Tell us if you feel particularly affected by daylight savings as we do in this moment. Mm. It's also just reminded me of um so I'm, I'm drinking coffee. It's the morning and I I don't like these beans that I have, but I'm trying to use them up cuz I bought them and whatever. But so I made coffee this morning and and I tasted it and I was like, "Oh, it sucks." I like hated it immediately. I've made it better, but the, I, I took a sip and was like, oh, this is bad. And then was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do I have COVID? Because our <laughs> friend who had COVID, one of the things she told me was it made coffee taste really bad. And I don't know bad in what way. Cause she lost her taste buds, like her sense of smell. But she was like, it made coffee taste really bad. So I was like, oh, my God. And then I like immediately went around my house and smelled all my candles. I <laughs> 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 was like, I can smell them. OK, it's just that I don't like these beans. OK, OK, OK. And, it, and we're fine now. But anyway, that's sort of like where I'm at. Been there. <laughs> Wait, share share with us what kind of beans they are so we don't make the same mistake with mm, purchasing good, them. Good, good, good. Well, the beans are fine. I just don't like them. Oh, OK. OK. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. It, they're too. It's like they're just too bitter. It's a super dark roast, which I made. Oh, I never get dark oh. roast. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And I made I thought oh. I was getting a, a roast that I'd gotten before and I got a new one and I just don't like it very much. Yeah, I'm not a fan of a dark roast. I don't like a dark roast. No, I've recently discovered I prefer a light roast. <laughs> I'm a medium roast girl. Oh, okay. All uh, right. All right. Um, one for balance, one for balance. Um, no, but the thing about a light roast is that it actually has more caffeine than the other beans. Mm. More caffeine and more acidity. So that's the one thing I was like, okay, the good thing about my dark roast is it has less acidity, even mm. though I don't really like it. It's fine. I put a, I just put a splash of agave and Ooh. that really helped smooth it out. Oh, agave. I know. I never do that. That's interesting. Well, okay, speaking of your thinking that you have COVID, I went to the grocery store for the first time in a while <gasps> yesterday. Which store? <laughs> Tell us all about it. I went to Albertsons, <laughs> but because... Uh, okay, a, a wild card. It's a crazy one. That's where I usually go, but I still get groceries delivered through Imperfect, so I only needed a few things. So I bought... <laughs> I bought a full roast chicken and a a handle of gin and toothpaste. And that's it. Yes. (laughs) I thought you were going to say a ham. (laughs) A roast chicken, a A ham. ham. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like I looked so weird. And then um, as I got back into my car, I had a hair in my mouth and just so mindlessly put my hand immediately right in my mouth. (laughs) After being in the grocery store, and like right, like fully in my mouth to pull out a hair, and I was like, "God damn it!" So now I'm certain that I have COVID too, because I just went to a grocery store and immediately put my hand in my mouth after touching things. God damn it! That's really that image is so funny. I took my mask off and was like, "Oh, there's a hair in my mouth." Also, just the face you probably made the second you realized what you'd done. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I really hope you don't have COVID. I hope What so a funny too. way to get COVID if you do. <laughs> I'd be you know. pretty mad. <laughs> Yeah, we've made it. We've made it so far. We've made it so far without getting COVID. A literal year. Yeah, let's just. We got to make it just a couple more months, you guys. Yeah, we're in the months. home stretch. I've been very much panicked about getting a getting a vaccine and been been like, I'm gonna stand in lines all day, every day this week. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And uh, and I was just speaking with someone the other day, and they're like, we're in a couple months. We're gonna look back at this like vaccine panic moment the way that now we look at the like 
can't get toilet paper and that, mm. and that like people were like you have to get toilet paper there's nowhere to get toilet paper and now it's like yeah there's toilet paper everywhere um and that calmed me down a bit because i think that that's true it's like there will be enough vaccine soon and yeah. everyone will get vaccinated and it will be like oh right okay cool yeah it's just that i want it right now because <laughs> yeah. i'm a very impatient um person i feel okay about not having it yet i don't leave my house i mean i guess when i do leave my house i put my hands in my mouth after touching things so i guess i do need it but <laughs> i mean yeah, I'm not going to change like I wouldn't change probably anything about my life if I got vaccinated. I just would be like less stressed. As I was driving around yesterday, people are out. People are out in the world. They're out. Oh, they're fully I out. I was very surprised. It was like a packed movie theaters Saturday. open movie tomorrow. Movie theaters open tomorrow um or 2 days ago when this comes out. Right, movie theaters open 2 days ago. And <laughs> and yeah, I just Oh, I'm getting anxiety about the world reopening. It's, it's so, so weird. weird time. It's I had, weird time. I yeah, I had a weird experience recently where Tim and I drove to um, New Jersey a couple weekends ago to like go look at the beach. I don't know why it was like thirty, deg- <laughs> 30 degrees outside. We were like, what else are we going to do right now? Yeah, I hear um, that. But I really had to pee, and so the, and there we were right next to a restaurant. And Tim was like, why don't you just go see if you can use their bathroom? So I went inside, and I was like what the fuck? And it was packed, like packed, filled with people with no masks on. Ooh. People were waiting. And I walked inside and the person was like, we've been waiting for like 45 minutes. You're not going to get a table. And I was like, okay, I just need yeah, to go no, to the I'm bathroom. Trying to get a table here, you sociopath. <laughs> and then I walked to the restaurant to use the bathroom and everyone was like not wearing a mask and kept looking at me. And I was like the only one wearing a mask. And I was like, oh what's going on like it was wild it was really that crazy was it was also indoors i was like what yeah. is? well okay. they can do that now i think in a lot of places at a certain capacity but it's still i was like yeah COVID doesn't care about your capacity i these people clearly aren't worried about getting COVID. they're just like maybe not concerned it. or maybe oh. they're vaccinated it's going to be both. a very weird transition it's going to be a weird next couple months i'm not yeah we're I'm not, not out of, we're not out of the weird i'm not mentally adjusted to it yet and every interaction i have with anyone is going to be weird for a while <laughs> oh i don't know what to do with any other no, humans me too me too my social anxiety is through the roof through I can the talk roof. to you guys. I can talk to Joel. I pretty much can't talk to anybody else. Yeah. Like, I'm like very aware of how much I can't do it. <laughs> it's impossible. Listeners, Sorry. we hope you guys are doing better than us. <laughs> <laughs> we hope that you are. Though I will say, I did achieve a life goal this week. Mm. What was that? And it is that I made the perfect at-home Greek salad. <laughs> what made it perfect? I, I I found a dressing recipe and it's, it's all, for me, it's all about the dressing. Mm-hmm. I've never once purchased a Greek salad dressing like in a jar at the store that tastes right. Never once mm-hmm. in my life. It's mm-hmm. never right. And I love a Greek salad so much. And when you order a Greek salad at a restaurant, a good Greek salad, it's like it's just right. And mm-hmm. I, I am bad at making interesting salads at home. Um, I just like put lemon juice on spinach and i'm like done um but i you know salads are important to eat and vegetables especially now i'm like i gotta like find a way to consume things that are good for me and anyway i found a recipe and uh, that dressing and so then i made a greek salad and it was as good as any greek salad i've ever had and i wow i just feel so happy wow i'm so happy for you congratulations thank you so much i'm really happy about it i'm like really happy about it is it, it gonna be a staple now you're gonna eat it's it all the time it's going to be a staple now yes 
Wow. What a good feeling when you discover a staple, you know? Ugh, what a I great love a feeling. Greek salad. Do you guys love a Greek salad? I love I a, Greek, love a salad. Greek salad. I love a Greek salad. Yeah. Sammy, that doesn't sound like a love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was tepid. I would say that was a, you like a Greek salad. I don't, I don't love salads in general. Um, mm. But I'd say Greek is one of my favorite salads. But Okay. But it's just, I don't know, salad sounds so bad to me right now. Sure. <laughs> I haven't Fair. had a salad in months. Is that bad? I'm feeling stressed. I eat vegetables. No, you warm. eat really well. No, you eat quite healthy. I would say you eat much better than me. What I'll do is eat lemon juice on spinach and then be like, great. Done for the day with that. <laughs> well, well, you can't tell us. Obviously, she's not telling us the ingredients for the dressing because she's about to copyright the shit out of that stuff. Copyright the shit. She's going <laughs> to bottle it, sell it. We're always on the lookout for how we're going to become millionaires. And maybe yes. it's this dressing. <laughs> and I think it's salad dressing. I remember one time uh, my friend, <laughs> I, w- I was talking about Paul Newman and mm. she said, the salad dressing guy? <laughs> <laughs> I know he was an actor and it really made me laugh. And oh, that's amazing. I was like, yeah, I mean, he is a salad yes. dressing guy. <laughs> I mean, I there was definitely a time in my life, I was much younger, but where I only knew him as as the salad dressing. Also, he, ma- there's, he makes all sorts of stuff. Like cookies. Newman's own makes cookies. Thank you. Yes, cookies are a big one. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Cookies and salad dressing. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> that's much the only it. Thing I can think of, the only things I can think of. <laughs> Um, but I was very aware of that little Newman zone. Yeah. Yep. It's good stuff. Oh, Fig, he makes like um his own brand, Fig Newman's. Oh, Fig oh, Newman's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fig Newman's. That's kind of like a cookie. That's a cookie. Yeah, it's okay. a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we talk about this week's movie? Yes. Yes. Okay. Very productive conversation, though, you guys. Good job. Yeah, this was one of our best. This has been great. Um, uh, this has been great. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. Our brains are tip-top shape, and this episode is going to be good. going to be good. It's going to be good, and I'm ready to do it. <laughs> this week's movie is Misery. It came out in 1990, directed by Rob Reiner, written by William Goldman, based on the novel by Stephen King, starring James Caan, Kathy Bates, Richard Farnsworth, and Lauren Bacall. It is streaming on HBO Max, and it was the winner of our first March Madness bracket. March Madness. As you guys know, we love sports. Henley calls them sprots. Sprots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because of how much she loves them. Yeah, because she loves them so much. And um, I had never seen it. Have you guys seen this movie? This is a This is a very famous one. Yeah, very famous. Never seen it. Never seen it. Never seen it. Is it technically? I know a nothing ho- about it. Even is it a horror movie? It feels like it looks kind of like it's a drama, but it's a horror movie. It's. It, I mean, I, it's definitely got drama, psychological thriller aspects to it. It's more psychological, I'd say, than like straight up, straight up horror. scary. Yeah, yeah. But it's very good. Do you guys know like the general premise? I feel like no. Oh my God! Really? I really? was going to say I feel like it's hard to not know the premise of this movie. No, but I, guess... I really don't think I. Maybe you'll say it and I'll go like, "Oh, I heard maybe some of that." But no, I also like this is like one of Kathy Bates' most famous roles, and it's like yes, and not how I know of Kathy Bates, which is also interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, she is great in this. Hi, friends! Welcome to Cocktail Hour, the best part of every week day. However, 
much you want to do it. And this week's drink is a dirty bird, or as Annie Wilkes would call it, a dirty birdie. For this drink, you will need one ounce of vodka, one ounce of Kahlua, and two ounces of half and half. You will combine all ingredients in a cocktail shaker with ice, shake, and then strain into an ice-filled old-fashioned glass. So that's it. That's all you need. Uh, buckle up. This one is a doozy fine Stephen King. You've done something right. We'll give you this much. Cheers. Got some trivia for us. We oui. First, I just, this is not related to this movie, but Lauren Bacall is in this movie, and I just wanted to say, because I think about it every time I think about Lauren Bacall, that she met Humphrey Bogart when she was 19 and he was 44, and they got married three years later, and it's so gross to me. Oh. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> oh, man. It's a different time. And Humphrey, not a young-looking 40-something. No, you know? definitely he, not. He looked his age. <laughs> he looked his age. Oh, God. Not that that helps, because it's really the mind that is the worst part of this, this equation, but still, it's like, no, nah, he's a full grown, grown up man. Yeah, I'm fine with the big age gap as long as everyone is over fully adults. Tw- 28. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think you have to you have to be like 30 years old to to grasp the concept of marrying someone 25 years older than you. Yeah. Oof. Um. Anyways, so yeah, I just had to start us off with that. But now some <laughs> trivia actually about this movie. Uh, Kathy Bates did win an Oscar for this role. Wow. And James Caan <laughs> once showed up to the set hungover and all of the scenes he shot that day were unusable. Rob <laughs> Reiner... <laughs> Rob Reiner told Khan he had to do the scenes again because there was, quote unquote, a problem at the lab. When Khan learned it had nothing to do with labs, he offered to cover the money that he lost the studio. (laughs) Imagine coming to work and... It being that bad? It's like so expensive that you're hungover. And wow. Wow. Thank God I'm not an actor. That's tough. Yeah. You can't go to work hungover when you're an actor. You really can't. You really can't. And it's and I don't know if I've told you guys, I'm obsessed with with knowing when an actor is sick in a scene for something. Mm. It happens more on television than in movies because it's like like secretly pregnant. I feel like happens a lot. Yes, I love that, too. Mm -hmm. But there's something for me about like a cold when you can just like tell an actor is doing their scenes with a cold. Their voice sounds a little bit different. And it's just like, yeah, they feel like shit. And it, and they have to, they, it happens. Every TV time. show you've ever seen, at one point, the star is sick. And I'm obsessed with it. I don't know why. I love being like, they're sick. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's like a little window into the, they're I human. don't know how it got made. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. just, my favorite is um, anytime... John Hamm is sick during Mad Men being like, Dondre Prescott, Dondre Prescott. <laughs> um, so James Caan and J- Kathy Bates clashed over their acting methods. Caan believed in as little rehearsal as possible. <laughs> Bates, with her theater background, was used to practicing a lot. When she commented to Rob Reiner that Caan was not attempting to relate or listen to her, Reiner told her to use that frustration toward her character. Uh, we got a lot of casting what what ifs here. Um, the role of Paul Sheldon that eventually went to James Caan was offered to Warren Beatty, 
Robert De Niro, Michael Douglas, Richard Dreyfuss, Harrison Ford, Morgan Freeman, Mel Gibson, Gene Hackman, Dustin oh Hoffman, William Hurt, Kevin Klein, Al Pacino, Robert Redford, Denzel Washington, and Bruce Willis. So they really didn't want James Caan, it seems. Oh my God. It also like- They all declined. No type at all, just like a man of a certain age. <laughs> Um, I read that people didn't want it because the character is so overshadowed by Kathy Bates's character. And so all these men have fragile little egos and didn't want to. And James Caan is the only one who was like, hey, hey. I can let I can let a woman shine. <laughs> I'll let her shine so much. I'll show up over <laughs> <laughs> and not rehearse ever. It's literally every movie star that was famous at, at, in 1990. At that time, yeah, it's like every single one. Most of those on the ego <laughs> point that does not surprise me at all I'm like yeah no right right yes 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 well correct. also also i bet there's a snowball effect i bet by the time they get to the last like three on those lists they're like all the other people said no like i'm not gonna right. say yes right Demira said no like, denzel said no uh-uh i'm not doing it <laughs> I'm doing right. yeah right bruce willis however later went on to play the role on broadway Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and some casting what ifs for Kathy Bates's character were uh, Jessica Lange, Angelica Houston, Bette Midler, and Barbara Streisand were all oh, up for the role what of a Annie group of Wilkes. women. Yeah. Um, but then there's a contradictory piece of trivia here that says screenwriter William Goldwyn Goldman first suggested Kathy Bates to Reiner for that Annie Wilkes role and said she was our first and only choice. <laughs> Just, well, those, uh, so I don't know what to believe now. <laughs> I don't know what to believe. Although maybe maybe the studio had those other actresses in rotation right. and, and they really wanted Kathy Bates. Right. Um, and then just the last little piece of trivia is that season two of Castle Rock is a prequel to this movie lizzie kaplan's character in that plays a younger version of annie wilkes oh, oh i've seen that season actually recently oh yeah i i haven't seen that and it, this made me want to watch it that's cool i love lizzie kaplan so i watched the whole uh -huh. thing um but i will say i wasn't like the biggest fan of that season of television to be honest yeah i didn't i wasn't blown away by season one so i and it's i think anthology ish so it's all different characters it's com and, it's complete it's almost completely different but still set in the world of stephen king mm -hmm. and the same town and all of that yeah right but completely different story fascinating okay well then i have a bit of an insight into what this movie is about because i did watch that season mm, yeah you maybe got some setup there you got you can maybe tell us some more at the end mm -hmm. i like the idea of lizzie kaplan as a young kathy bates i, I that's like mm -hmm. cool she doesn't to me her acting in this season is really like stand out i mean i can She's i can great. i can imagine you would either like hate it or love it because it's she really makes a choice as we like mm -hmm. to say definitely uh -huh. makes love a strong <laughs> loves loves to make a strong choice but she has like a very strange posture very strange voice very strange way of acting um that's very distinctive throughout the entire season and mm. part of me kept being like just act like lizzie kaplan like stop it like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> but also it was good and i liked it okay let's watch this trailer you almost died you have a compound fracture of the tibia in both legs and the fibula in the right leg is fractured too and as soon as the roads open i'll take you to a hospital 
Meantime, you've got a lot of recovering to do. There is nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. My name is Annie Wilkes. I think one of my clients, Paul Sheldon, might be in some kind of trouble. In a way, I was following you. You were following me? Oh, Paul, I've read everything of yours, but the misery novels. You must be a good man, or you could never have created such a wondrous, loving creature as Misery Chastain. Very kind. The presumption must now be that Paul Sheldon is dead. You dirty bird. How could you? Misery Chastain cannot be dead. Misery Spirit is still alive. I don't want her spirit! I want her! And you murdered her! You don't think he's dead, do you? And don't even think about anybody coming for you, because I never called them. Nobody knows you're here. And you better hope nothing happens to me. Because if I die, you die. I know you've been out. Is this what you're looking for? Eventually, you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Annie, whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it. Annie, for God's sake. Shh, darling. Trust me. God's sake. It's for the best. God, I love you. Um, okay, so we open on some shots of a cigarette, a champagne glass, and we meet our protagonist, Paul Sheldon, who is played by James Caan, and he is a he is finishing a manuscript. So if you have protagonist as a writer on your bingo. <laughs> Mark it off. Check it off. And we see him finishing it up, writing the end. He pours himself a glass of champagne and lights his cigarette in a very routine type way. This is what he does when he finishes a book. He puts the manuscript in this little leather bound suitcase that he has. And he looks very happy and pleased with himself and he starts packing up like he was looks like he was in kind of a secluded cabin to finish up this this book and writers love that shit writers mm. love that shit and he gets in his car and starts driving back to wherever he lives normally which we find out is New York so he's driving from from Silver Springs Colorado to back back to New York well they have cabins in New York dude um and as he's driving it's it's in the middle of winter the roads are snowy but it starts as a sunny little day and as he gets further along he he doesn't make it too far and he hits a, a blizzard and he loses control of his car and it veers off the road and flips and crashes upside down it looks like a pretty a, a bad crash mm. um and then we cut to a little flashback of him at his literary agent's office this is Lauren Bacall and we see on her walls she has posters of book covers that he has written and he is famous for this series of romance novels about a character named misery chastain a very interesting name a very interesting name 
he is telling his agent how this isn't what he wanted to be famous for, and he's excited to start the next chapter of his life and kind of move away from this romantic novel series and into more serious stuff. And that's what he had been working on. And he like says to her, like, I'm going to, you know, be in my cabin, hopefully finish up this and this will be my 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 new reveal to the world. And hopefully they like it. Then we go back to the site of the accident and we see someone prying him out of his car, carrying him to to their house. And then he he kind of wakes up dazed. It's blurry. The You hear a voice kind of echoing like, it's OK, you're OK. And we see eventually that he's got his little IV drip in him and he is set, settled in a bed looking up at Kathy Bates and she gives him some pills and says like, it's okay. Like you're safe. You had an accident. The roads are all, are, are all blocked and the phone lines are down, but, um, I'm a nurse. Like, thank God I found you. And like, you're going to be okay, but you're, you're pretty badly hurt. So we got to wait for roads to open up so that an ambulance can come get you he's super super out of it um he's very banged up and he i think drifts back to sleep and we get the sense that a couple days have passed he wakes back up another day and she says to him i'm your biggest fan i've read all of your books and I can't believe that I found you. What are the chances? And she says, your legs are, you're, you're good. You're going to be okay. It's going to take time. Both of your legs are fractured in a bunch of places. Your arm is also fucked up. His shoulder was dislocated. She, she's like, eventually it, it, it was a tough, but I eventually popped it back in and Ugh. Then she pulls the blankets down to show him his legs. No. And they are so fucked up and gross. Oh, my God. It's so it looks so bad. They're just like purple and swollen. And they're in like the, the little whatever. When you, splints. What is that called? Splints. Yeah. But it's all like she's done it from her house. So it's not like a real cast. It's yes. Like and she said I did the best I could. Like with the tools that I had, like, thank God that I know what I'm, I'm doing. Like I had to pop a lot of the bones back into uh, place, but like they, they, uh, your bones were like making noises. Like I could hear your bones moving around. Oh my God. And they look, yeah, it looks really bad. It's the bleakest time of the year. So you know what that means? We deserve to get cozy on the couch, rewatch our favorite TikTok videos and drink a goddamn glass of wine. If you ever struggle to pick out the right bottle, you will love our next sponsor, Naked Wines. Did you know that when you buy wine today, most of the money goes to things like fancy packaging, big budget marketing campaigns, and tax? That is crazy. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet. So you get a box of the market's best quality wines, however often you'd like, for a fraction of the price. And hold on to your butts, you guys, because the deal they have for you is insane. Just wait. So how do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in a store. 
By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. I love that their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. I'm currently loving their organic options, especially the Chris Condos Cabernet from Mendocino County, and they've been around for 10 years, and they fund over 90 independent winemakers. So with no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker, so you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com slash too scary and enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in too scary for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. So that's nakedwines.com slash too scary and use the code and password too scary and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash too scary, code and password too scary for $100 off your first six bottles. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Have you guys ever broken bones? No. I haven't, actually. I have. I broke my collarbone. Oh, Um, fuck. How old were you? I was playing field hockey. I was a (gasps) senior in high school. And it was like fucking gnarly. It was really gross. A collarbone's a bad one to break. Oh, that is yeah, how, that, that would sounds be bad. really bad. Because you can also, mm. s- there's no cast you can put on it and you can see it. So you can like see the break like through the skin. Oh my God. And you can't move. I mean, it's just right there. There's nothing yeah. over it. No. Yeah. And I just <gasps> had to like literally lie in my bed for like two straight weeks and not move at all. And then luckily it healed pretty quickly, all things considered, but it was a pretty shitty like two month experience, I'd say. Oof. Yeah, that sounds really bad. This movie might be triggering for you. (laughs) The feeling when you you break a bone, I don't know if you felt this, Henley, you like get like very immediately nauseous. Like your body is Mm. like, uh oh. Yeah, this is wrong. Just imagining having like all of your bones in your legs broken, you would just be like, like Yo. this is awful. Ooh, it's, oh, it's giving me the creeps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it looks very bad. But um, because a couple days have passed, his agent is now getting worried and he she hasn't heard from him. And so she calls the sheriff of no, Silver Creek. I was just trying to do the math in my head. Did were there? I guess some people had some big cell phones in 1990, but not but most people. Most and certainly people, not accessible. yeah, no, most no. people had no cell phones. And so she calls the the sheriff of the town to basically say, "I haven't heard. I think it's been two days." And the sheriff is kind of like, oh, "I'll keep an eye out," but like that doesn't seem crazy if he's driving like across country, like. Maybe you just he hasn't called yet and like we shouldn't panic yet, basically. 
Sure. Um, but I will, I'll, I'll keep an eye out. I'll ask some questions. I can go check the hotel where he was. Because well, also he knows there was a big blizzard, right? Like that. Right. Yeah. So then back at uh, Annie's house, her name is Annie Wilkes, by the way. And she's shaving. He, he, he like has grown stubble in a few days. So she's like shaving him. And at this point, he's super, super grateful to her and is like, oh, my God, this woman saved my life. And they are ha they have a, a nice relationship at this point. And he's flattered that she's a big fan. And she again says, you know, the phone lines are down. Um, but as soon as the roads open back up, like it shouldn't be too much longer till the phone lines come back up and then we can call your family and your agent. Cause he's said that he was supposed to be visiting his daughter and he like, yeah, needs to call people to tell them that he's okay. So we see the sheriff, the sheriff's name is Buster. He's like a small town sheriff. He's like, he's like, oh, everybody calls me Buster. And he's knows everyone in town. He goes to the hotel that Paul was staying at and they, you know, confirm. Yeah, he, he checked out two days ago. Nothing seemed weird. He left and we haven't seen him again. And back at the house, we see, oh, um, Annie has said to Paul, I, I couldn't help but notice you had a, a manuscript in your bag. Would it be, would I be really overstepping if I asked to read it? And he says, you know, I have a pretty strict rule that in this early of stages, I, I don't let anybody read it who isn't my editor or my agent or a woman who saved my life by pulling me out of a car. And she's like, oh, he's charming me. And so he lets her read it. So she's start. She has started to read it. And then we see her feeding him soup one day at his bedside classic and she says you know she's enjoying the manuscript but the the swearing she's not a fan of the swearing and he's like oh but they're that's like the kind of kids that they are that's the kind of kid i was and she says but like people don't need to talk like that and i don't go around saying like can you get me my effing soup and can you do my bastard chores and just like swearing as if she's never sworn before in her life which i guess she hasn't so she's just saying these really weird sentences with like swear words thrown in um and she st she starts getting very heated and having way too big of a reaction to these swear words in the manuscript and he kind of for the first time like looks at her like uh this isn't normal uh. <laughs> And she she gets so upset that she spills the soup on him and oh <laughs> and as she like stands up to yell. And then after that, she kind of comes comes back to herself and is like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm so sorry, Paul. I'm so sorry. Can you ever forgive me? I, I lost my temper and um, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have done that. Um, I'm so sorry. And he kind of is just quiet, like quietly sitting there. And and she says, I love you. Oh no! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! And his oh, eyes god, kind oh, of god, widen, oh, like he's getting scared. And she says, "Your brain, I mean, your mind. Like you're so brilliant. That's all I meant. Like I think you have just such a brilliant mind. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'll leave you. I'll leave you alone." And she like leaves the room. 
she drives into town and buys his new book. So his new, the, the last of the Misery series has just come out and she sees that they have it at the shop in town and gets very excited, buys it, um, comes back. She's making him breakfast and is shows that she got the book and she's like ecstatic. She's like, can you believe like they have your book? I'm so excited. Um, misery. It feels like home to me. Like anytime I, I follow her on her journeys. I just, it's the happiest I ever, I ever was. And Paul's kind of like, so the road, the roads are open, huh? And she's like, oh, well just, just the road to town. Uh, the main roads aren't open yet. And um, says something like, and don't, don't worry, I, I used their phone to, or I called your agent and I, I spoke to the hospital about your condition and they're going to come the second the roads are open. And he's like, so the, the phones are working? And she's like, oh, well, well, my phone isn't. But the one at the, at the store w works. Um, and like, don't worry, I called everybody. And if you give me your daughter's number, I'll call her too. And he's like, okay. And then he, she like opens the door to his bedroom and in comes this honestly beautiful pig. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. okay. And jumps up on his like bedside. And did you guys ever see or hear of First Cow, that A24 movie that came out this year? No. Mm -mm. It had a very beautiful cow in it that reminded me of this pig. Just like oh, very okay. beautiful farm animals. I don't, it probably sounds very weird, but I, I'm going to send you a picture because Please. I, think, I think they're just very beautiful. Um, <laughs> and it jumps up on his bedside and Annie comes in and says, I thought it was time that you two should meet. This is my my prized sow. Her name is Misery. Oh, boy. And oh he's like, oh, misery, huh? And she's like, yep, I told you I'm your number one fan. And he says, I'm, I'm starting to starting to believe you. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> um, and then one night she kind of has a, a, a moment with him where she's revealing a little bit about herself. And she says, you know, when when my husband left me, I thought I wouldn't survive it. I thought I would go crazy. And I, so I dove into work and I just worked nonstop. And, but that's when I discovered my love for reading. And that's when I discovered misery and misery made me forget all my problems. And you did that, Paul, like you saved me in time where I felt like my lowest. And um, she's telling him that, she, you know, she's still reading his manuscript or no, no, no. Now she has switched to reading the new the release of uh, it's called Misery's Child. And that is the the final book in the Misery series. She doesn't know that yet, but. Oh, she is not going to be happy about that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and oh. and that night in the middle you of the night. better not tell her. <laughs> in the middle of the night, she busts into his room, waking oh, him up God. and starts screaming at him. How 
could you? How could you? She can't be dead. Misery can't die. Like, you murdered her. You murdered her, Paul. And Paul's like, uh, I didn't murder her. She just died, but her spirit will leave, live on. And she says, I don't want her spirit. I want her. And she is absolutely losing it, screaming at him. Eventually, she kind of calms down a little bit and just quietly is like, I thought you were good, but you're just another old dirty birdie. Oh, my <laughs> oh, God. No, 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 no. I no. hate this. I hate <laughs> no, this. No, 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 no. Then she says, and by the way, I never called anyone. Nobody knows you're here and you, <gasps> nobody's coming for you. And you better hope nothing ever happens to me, because if I die, you die. What the fuck? Oh, no. <laughs> and she storms out and gets in her car and drives away. And Paul can see through the window that she has just driven away and he whips off that blanket and starts trying to lower himself onto the ground and he's like trying to do it delicately but with his dead his legs in the splints it like he like slams down and like screams in pain and crawls drags himself over to the bedroom door which is locked from the outside so and he just kind of gives up oh god why do doors lock from the out none of the doors in my house lock from any direction actually i think mine does actually my like main door locks my main door locks everybody don't come don't try to come into my house (laughs) but the yeah the idea of having like a interior door that you can lock someone in a room that feels bad you know what i actually noticed that their knobs look like my knobs because they're like the old they're like the old um, Are they the ones glass that like, lock door on knobs. both sides? Yes, and it has a keyhole. Mm. And so mine actually can lock from the outside, which I don't love. Is that for like locking children in their rooms? I just don't know. Because I mean, that, that doesn't seems seem like a good reason. It seems good. like no, no good I don't think that it's good. But didn't people do that? <laughs> lock children in their rooms? I feel like people probably did. But it just seems so unsafe no matter what because Very of unsafe. F- fires or whatever. I mean, yeah. I have. I have that's true fires i have big windows in my room so i could jump out if i needed to oh god i'm making an escape plan because now i'm scared that my door locks from the outside gotta have an escape plan so the next morning she um comes back into his room and says i asked i asked god about you she by the way is wearing a cross necklace sure at all times anybody who's very upset about swear words I take to be quite Christian. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she says, I asked God about you and he said that he brought you to me so that I could show you the light. Oh, great. Thank you. And then she roll. He's looking very nervous. She rolls in a little barbecue and puts his new manuscript on it. Oh, great. Covers it in lighter fluid and gives hands him a match and says, you need to you need to burn this and bring misery back to life like that needs to be what you focus on. And he says, I could burn it. But, you know, there's 
many other copies. It doesn't matter. And she's like, great. So, so burn it then. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it won't matter to me if I do. And she's like, great. So you said, so do it. Oh no. And then she says, I know you're bluffing, Paul. I know because you said when you were 24, when you wrote your first manuscript, you didn't make a copy of it because you thought no one would like it. And so you just carried around the one copy. And now ever since then, because of superstition, you do the same thing. And that's your, that's what you do when you write every book is you don't make a copy until, so until, I don't know, until it's published or whatever. Um, and makes him burn it. And he looks very sad. Oh. And it is his only copy. Ugh. And Nightmare. as they're burning his book, they hear a helicopter. And Paul is looking very excited to hear this, looks outside. We see in the helicopter, it is the sheriff and a pilot. And they're kind of looking to see if his car veered off the road. They don't see anything. And I think he is, he, he got the sheriff, Buster, got a little bit suspicious of Annie because I think he saw her buy his new book in town. Okay. And so they circle that the reason they fly over her house specifically is to, to look and see if his car is there and it's not. Um, so but but Buster is suspicious of Annie at this point, but they don't see any evidence that anything's going on. So they, they don't stop and they fly off. And um, so Paul is. You know, not happy. And he starts hiding the pills that she is giving him every day. They're pain medication and he is in a lot of pain, but he starts. They're also probably sedatives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is hiding pills on our bingo cards? Oh, that should be. That should definitely be. should be. Well, I feel like pills are on our bingo card at some point, right? Or like Something taking about. pills. Yeah. Maybe. So he starts kind of tucking them under his mattress where he can reach them and just starts stashing up pills. Then Annie brings him in a table and a typewriter and says, you're going to start writing the new misery book. You left her buried in the ground. So that's where you're going to have to start and bring her back to life and gets him set up with a wheelchair and kind of rolls him over to this little table so that he can write the next misery novel. And she's like, did I do good? And he is very much trying to play into this role, which yeah. you do. And I th this is like my favorite thing about this movie is that it's very much what women do like anytime we feel scared. And yeah. it's just so interesting to see these roles reversed where he is, because the only way that it works is if you are physically powerless, right? Mm -hmm. if, or like mm -hmm. the physically less powerful, if you think you can't, you can't win a fight, which he can't. And so he's in the position now that women are in most of the time. And this like way that you just have to placate to, mm -hmm. to not make the other person mad. It's very interesting watching a man do it. And mm -hmm. um, I think that's my favorite part of the movie. And here I, I thought I was like, Stephen King has written like somewhat of a feminist novel here in this. Um, and then I read his reason for writing it was it was his 
vision of battling his own addiction. And it is interesting, too, that that's like also a bunch of successful male actors were like, I'm not going to do this. Right. Um, (laughs) Right. Fascinating. So, yeah, she gets him all set up and says, like, did I do good? And he's like, you did great, Annie. You did great. Except for one small thing. I can't write on this paper that you got. And she's upset and says, what do you mean? And he says, well, this will this will this will smudge. She's like, no, this is good paper. And he puts one in, does a little test and writes smudge, wipes his finger on it. It smudges. And he's like, you got to get this specific kind of paper. And she, he sees that she has dropped a bobby pin on the ground. And so she heads out, gets in her car, drives away. He grabs that bobby pin, rolls to the door and is able to pick the lock with it and get out of the room. He rolls to the front door, which is also locked from the outside. And he is kind of rolling around the house looking for each of the doors to see if he can find a a way out. And he bumps into a table and knocks over. She has like a table full of ceramic figurines. (laughs) And knocks over a little penguin and it's like a stressful moment because you don't want it to break because then she'll know and so he's it, it, it doesn't break he puts it back up and he makes his way to the kitchen and it looks like there's another door to to the outside in the kitchen but his wheelchair doesn't fit through the door to the kitchen and mm. so he this is not an ada compliant house mm-hmm. and he gets out of his wheelchair lowers himself onto the ground again in a lot of pain drags himself to the the kitchen door to try to open it it's also locked he looks very defeated and looks up at the kitchen counter sees a big knife block is kind of eyeing that and then he hears her car approaching. Oh, God. And completely panics and tries to hurry to get himself back uh. into the wheelchair. And it's so stressful. Um, and you see, you know, it's cutting back and forth. We see her getting closer and he's gets back in his wheelchair and rolls towards his room. He's about to go in his room. He sees that he left another door open, so he has to go get that. As she's like walking up the stairs to the front door, and then she drops one of the packets of paper that she's just bought and has to like stop to go to pick that up. And that gives him just enough time to, to close the door, get back in his room, close his door, and again, use the bobby pin to re-lock Lock it. Because it. he... It doesn't can't, want her to can't know. be open and he does it. it just in the nick of time. But she comes right in like the second he gets it done mm. and he is like dripping sweat um, and looks <laughs> not good. And she's like, oh, my God, what the hell happened, Paul? Well, she doesn't say hell. She would never. She, she would never. She, she says, would never. What, what happened, Paul? And he says, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in pain is what happened. I need my pills. I need my pills. I'm in so much pain. Oh, he has he has grabbed one of the things he did was he went into a room where it's like her supply room, her medical supply room, I guess, and grabbed a packet of the pills and put them in his pants. And he sees that he wasn't it, it's not covered very well. And so that's why he's like immediately trying to get her out of the room mm. because he want, he needs to like hide these 
pills better. And she's like, well, let me get you into bed first. He's like, no, no, no. Like, I need them now. I'm in so much pain. And she's like, "Okay, like, all right, I'll go get them. And so she goes to grab some pills, giving him enough time to to properly hide them. I wonder what his plan is. (laughs) And then then she comes back and is able to, like, get him back in his bed and doesn't notice the pills. Then we see the helicopter flying around again looking for any clues and they do see they spot his overturned car that is almost completely buried in snow but they they see kind of the tires poking out and immediately uh, not buster but someone does like a press conference saying like we can only assume he's dead and (laughs) and like announcing to the world you know his body's probably around here somewhere we may not find it until the the thaw until summer be, or unless the animals got to him and is like giving this really huge wild press conference yeah huge assumptions and buster yeah he's like we don't have time to deal with this so we're just gonna assume he's dead probably he's dead and it's out of the snow see you in the summer <laughs> yeah like good luck mm-hmm. if he's if he is alive maybe animals ate it i don't know probably there's no more work to be done here uh, <laughs> case closed <laughs> um and buster of course does not think this is the case. He is examining the car and he sees the very obvious crowbar marks on the on the door of the car. And he's like, someone clearly pr- his, his wife is with him a lot. And his wife's like, you don't think he's dead? And he's like, well, he might be dead, but not in the way that they're saying, like someone pried him out of this car, like someone had him at some point. Um, it's nice that they go to work together. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's his wife. It's just a, it's a very little small town vibe. She's like, what else would I be doing? What a, well, come, I got time. Let's go check out that car. Wow. <laughs> um, then we go back to Annie's house and see Paul has made a little pouch out of paper. One of the pieces of paper, like folded a little pouch. And he starts emptying the contents of the pills into this pouch so it's just the powder inside of the like gelatin capsule and he has to like swallow just the gelatin parts and i don't know why that really grossed me out (laughs) like swallowing empty pill capsules yuck but you gotta do what you gotta do he can't have gotta do what you can't have evidence i guess he could shove them under the bed where he has all of his other things she can't see but he doesn't he eats them (laughs) just in case um and then he gets to writing the book and at first, you see him just type fuck, 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 <laughs> which I liked. And then he throws that page away and he, start, he starts typing and he finishes the first chapter and Annie is thrilled. She is like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's very, it's really funny. She's like, she's like seeing that the reason they accidentally buried misery alive was because she was paralyzed from the bee sting, made my heart leap out of my body with joy. <laughs> like, oh, my like God. Seeing misery come back to life. She's like basically like twirling around the room. She's like so happy that misery is alive again. Oh, um, my God. And Paul uh, sees this she's like well i'm gonna go put on my records and paul before she leaves says annie would you have dinner with me tonight to celebrate misery's return and oh, she's wow. like oh, i would be honored and he's like yeah i mean i think i think it's a it's cause to celebrate and we're starting to see what he's planning 
Although it makes me nervous. Part of me is like, heal a little bit more before you're going to do this, bro. Like, you're not in a good enough shape to actually escape. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah, he is still not not great. Um, We see that Buster has bought all of the misery novels and is reading them to see if he can glean a clue from them research research yeah, doing some research which i mean how fast of a reader are you buster <laughs> if i like don't understand detective work at all and i think i would be a very terrible detective but this also seems like not a great detective move but i didn't totally see what what um came of this so maybe he did find some information here that was important he probably did, but I didn't catch it. The only thing you really need to know is that he just came out with the final one yeah. where she dies. And right. that seems to be the most important yeah, yeah. piece of information. Yes. I feel like it'd be good detective work if he was your murder suspect. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like if you're right. like, right. this guy's a murderer. Let me read his books to figure out his. But it's like mm-hmm. he disappeared after these books were written. What right. clues are going to be in these books? <laughs> right. right. He didn't know he was going to go missing when he wrote them. <laughs> right. Whatever, Buster. You do your thing. I mean, <laughs> bless him for trying, I think. I bless mean, Buster. He's, he's, he's doing more than anyone else is he's doing. He's doing more than anyone. He is focused on this. And honestly, maybe he just had a reading goal to meet. And we respect yeah, that. Yeah, that was probably it. Mm-hmm. That was probably it. He just it. likes the books. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see Annie and Paul having dinner together. Um, they are having wine and seated across from each other, a somewhat romantic type setting. And she is about to, she sits down and kind of raises her wine glass to give a toast. And Paul says, wait, wait, wait. Let's do this right. Do you have any candles? And she's like, oh, Paul, like so romantic. Let me see. I probably do. And goes out of the room to go search for candles. He pulls out his little pouch and dumps the contents into into her glass of wine, kind of swirls it a bit and sets it back down. She comes back in and he's like, "Okay, yeah, let's have that. She lights the candle and he's like, perfect. Let's do the toast now. And she reaches for her wine glass and accidentally knocks it over, spilling all of the contents of it. And you see his face just, uh, he's so he's so disappointed, but he can't show that he's upset by what has just happened. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm such a klutz. I'm so sorry, Paul. I'm ruining the the perfect dinner like can you forgive me and she puts it back up and and fills another glass of wine and raises it back up like can we pretend that didn't happen like oh i'm so embarrassed and he's like yeah yeah no no problem (laughs) of course and they continue their dinner and he is Mm. defeated this plot did not work and then um, he, like you said, Henley, just starts writing the book. We see a little montage of time passing. And I think his next plan is like, yeah, let me heal some. Let me just write. Store up some more powder. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I need some more time now. And so we see like a little montage of time passing, him finishing chapter after chapter, her reading it. She's so thrilled. Um, And then... After he's finished, 
he's getting pretty close to the end. He's in chapter 30 or something. And we see it starting to rain now. So the, the snow is starting to melt. And Annie comes into his room one night. And not her normal kind of chipper self. And she says, the rain may, always makes me feel sad. She's got seasonal depression. <laughs> wow. We can, okay. We can, we can relate. Um, not an not an excuse for holding a man captive. Not an excuse. Um, but <laughs> sometimes the rain makes you do crazy things. <laughs> and yeah, she says the rain always makes me feel sad. And she turns to him and says, "I know you don't love me, Paul. You're so handsome and brilliant and smart, and I'm not the movie star type. And I know you'll never love me." You're starting to heal. Soon you'll be better and you'll be trying to leave me. And so she shows him that she has a gun. And she's like, just FYI, like, I've got a gun. <laughs> so he's pretty scared again. And one day she leaves to go to the store or something. And as soon as she is gone, he again uses his bobby pin to get out of his room goes to the kitchen, grabs that knife and gets back in bed. And we see him, he's got a, sl his arm is in a sling and we see him kind of, he's holding the knife in the sling with his arm and practicing like whipping it out real quick to be able to stab her when she's close to him. So he's just like practicing this movement and he's, you see him, he's kind of practicing moving his legs a bit. He's, he's, Somewhat healed, not super healed, but enough, I think, to be able to to get away. Okay. Um, Ugh. and so he's waiting in in bed for her to come into his room after she gets home from wherever she was, and we see her come home and kind of stop. We see her like feet, the shadow of her feet under his door. And she stops facing his room and he's got his knife at the ready waiting for her to come in. She just stands there and then she walks away and walks to her room and goes to bed. He's like, oh, you know, a little disappointed. Yeah, I didn't get to stab her. I didn't oh, get to man, stab darn, her. Darn. But he he put he puts the knife under the bed and, and falls asleep. And the next morning she comes in and she says, I know you've been out, Paul. And she's looking mad. She has stuff with her that doesn't look good. She has a sledgehammer. Oh, no. And a like two by four thing. And he's looking panicked and he reaches for his knife and she has it and holds it up no. and says, looking for this. No, 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 no. <laughs> and he looks very scared. And she said, I know you've been out because the penguin always faces due south. Oh, God. Oh, oh Jesus God. fucking Christ. No, no. Oh, God. And she's like, I tried to figure out how you did it. And I just found this little guy. And she, she, she has the bobby pin. She's like, I, I see how you did it. And... She says, do you know what they did to the native workers at who stole diamonds from the diamond mines? 
and he's looking very scared and she's starting to she puts the little two by four between his ankles so his ankles are pressed up against like wood now and oh my god oh my god oh my god i know i don't want to know <laughs> oh, no, no, and no. she's like don't worry they didn't kill them that would be like trashing a car that you need they just needed to make sure that they couldn't run away it's oh, called hobbling his legs she's gonna break his legs no 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 no, no, no. and she takes the sledgehammer paul says you don't have to do this annie you don't have to do this she's like i do i do paul like you're gonna run away from me you're gonna run away from me and she takes the sledgehammer and hits him right on the ankle into the wood block and it shows it and it looks so bad and he's screaming and screaming and she's like it's okay just one more just one more walks over to the other side she's a bad nurse (laughs) takes Ah! the sledgehammer and hits the other ankle and oh it's like there you go it's it's all done um and I i think he might like pass out from pain or something but then we cut back to buster who is uh, at the at the local store that Annie bought the paper from and the books from, and is basically like, "Are you all sold out of that uh, the new book or whatever? Like, who else was who bought it?" And he says, "Annie bought it, and she also bought a bunch of so much paper and the typewriter." And so Buster's like, "Okay, I got to go over there." So she bought all the copies. I think. Well, he bought some so too because he was nobody could read oh, the bad yeah, ending maybe, of the book. Maybe. maybe, yeah. You know what I'm thinking about also too is that uh, Sammy, to your point, how this is usually like a female character who's in this situation of being like so held victimized yeah. mm-hmm. and held hostage. It's always a female character. I wonder if there's something about like those male actors also just not wanting to have to be a victim in this way. Yeah, just not wanting to yeah, have to even I, I play really a victim. Think- I really think that's part of it. Right. Yeah. I think that must be a huge part of it. Well, because it's fucking terrifying being a victim and being like physically less powerful than the the person holding you hostage is like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's so scary. A daily thing that I feel like we fear as women. And I mean, I'm sure Mm -hmm. men fear it, too, because it's fucking scary. It makes me. Want, you know how you often hear in situations where women have been abused by their partners like, why didn't you leave? Mm-hmm. Like showing them this movie and being like, why doesn't he leave? Right. And, yeah. and being like, yeah, it's not a one to one. But like you see how when you are made to be powerless, it's not easy to just walk out the door. Right. right. Like. Right. Especially. Mm. As, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But especially when you have been like broken down mentally and emotionally yeah. by the person mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. like think that like there's no, you have no power no in no, any situation. Right. Even if you maybe technically do. Right. Oof. Scary. Uh, yeah, it, it is very scary. Oof. Um, and so one other thing that I left out when he got out of the room the second time, he kind of finds he finds a a photo book that he flips through and we see clippings from news articles that she has put in this book and they're of her at the hospital that she worked at. It's like infant dies at hospital nurse being questioned and then they keep going and it's like, like three, three infants now dead and nurse being investigated and there's 
a, a seeming seemingly she has killed babies and saved the newspaper clippings and saved the newspaper <laughs> clippings and that's what she says that's what she says to him also when she comes into his room after realizing he's gotten out he's like she's like I, I i know i left my scrapbook out i can't imagine what you think of me now and something like that um we don't ever find out really much more about it than that that's just something a very horrifying thing in her past that also buster uncovers as well eventually yeah that's the person you got to do the digging on buster i must say yeah Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he does and he the next day comes to her house paul is sitting at his desk and i think has just finished the last chapter of the novel and then sees uh buster driving up gets excited starts kind of figuring out what is what is his plan going to be and annie walks in with a syringe walks straight for him and plunges a syringe in his arm and they have kind of, he like tries to fight it tries to fight it and he can't and he kind of loses consciousness she carries him to um the a kind of hidden door that has steps down to a basement throws him in the basement or carries him down. She's she's able to carry him quite easily, which is impressive. Mm. And carries him down, puts him at the bottom. He's unconscious. She closes the door and goes to answer the door to Buster to talk to Buster. Buster says, "What can you um, do? You know anything about um, Paul Sheldon? He was staying around here and he's gone missing." And she's like, well, what do you want to know? Like, he was born in this town in this year, and he, to um, his mother was this, his father was that, he has these amount of siblings, and he's like... I'm normal, I just know everything about him. What do you, what's what's up? <laughs> and she says, like, I'm his number one fan. And I think maybe she knows, like, they already n- would know right. that. Because like, don't pretend that you're not. Yeah, so I think she's trying to be like, yeah, I'm his number one fan, but, like, no, he's not in my basement. <laughs> I would, <laughs> would never hold him hostage in my I house. didn't break his ankles and then put him in my basement, if that's what you're wondering, if- but I didn't <laughs> where he was born. Um, so she's, yeah, trying to play it cool in this very creepy way <laughs> of, yeah, I might be obsessed with him. Yeah, anyway, so she... <laughs> He he's like, well, no, I'm wondering if you've seen him lately. And she says, no. And she's like, oh, do you want to come in and take a look around? He's like, yeah, yeah, I do, actually. And comes in, looks in each of the rooms, nothing. I would say, too, like, if someone came to my door asking me if I'd seen a person and I really hadn't, I wouldn't go. I mean, do you want to come in and look around? You know, like I wouldn't offer that. Come on and prove it. (laughs) I really don't don't look in the basement. You can look everywhere but the basement. I mean, (laughs) come in and look because I've definitely made sure you won't find him. Yeah, I've got a hidden door that you won't be able to see. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about, but if you want to check my house, (laughs) um, and so he comes in, he looks in every room, doesn't see anything, and he's super suspicious, but he's like, hmm. Okay, I guess I guess that's that's all I've got and starts leaving. She's like, okay, like let me know if I can be any help. Also, one more thing, if you're his number one fan, wouldn't you be like, what happened to him? Is he okay? Like, where is he? Why are you looking for him? Yeah. Like, wouldn't you also react in that way if you actually didn't know? Yeah. So the fact that she's like, she might. I can't remember. Oh. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's okay. definitely suspicious, and he he is suspicious of her. 
But okay, good. he leaves to try to figure out. He's like starts walking out to try to figure out what to do next. And then um, Paul wakes up and starts screaming and Buster hears it. And Buster turns back around and you see Annie kind of turn and Buster runs in. The door's not locked and he he runs in. We don't see where Annie is. He kind of hears where the screaming is coming from, locates the hidden door, kind of presses his hands around it and is able to figure out how to open it, opens the door, sees uh, Paul at the foot of the stairs Paul's like, help me, help me. And a hole just blows right through Buster's chest. And she yep. shot him with a shotgun at oh very my. close distance. So like literally like a hole gets blown through his chest. He falls forward. Ew. Buster, you got to bring back up. Yeah. You have got to bring back up. Where was your well, wife today, his Buster? Wife. His Where wife was your wife? <laughs> oh, no. And Annie looks down at Paul and is like, uh, I'm I'm so sorry, or I'm so sorry, Paul. I think, I think it's I think we're we're both gonna have to die. We'll have to die together. Like it's they're gonna keep coming. They're gonna keep looking for you. The only way to do it is to die. And oh my god, Paul looks back up at her and is like, "You're right, Annie. You're right." And she says, "I love you, Paul." And he says, "I love you too, Annie." But you know, I have to do my my thing that I do every time I finish a manuscript. And she's like, oh, of course, your your champagne and your cigarette. And he's like, but this time we need two glasses of champagne. Like, I couldn't have done it without you. And she's like, oh, Paul, I have it here ready. You you've said in interviews that this is what you do. So I've gotten it ready and brings him back up, carries him to his room by the typewriter he hands him a little cigarette and a match on a plate and goes out to get the champagne and he takes the manuscript and um holds the match to it and so when she comes back in he's basically holding the manuscript that she loves now hostage and says i i can't remember what he says but she basically like lunges at him to have him not burn the manuscript and when she's close to him he's able to take the typewriter and smash it on her head and he knocks her down and he like rolls out of his wheelchair and they're wrestling on the ground he lights the or he has lit the manuscript and so it's like burning and he's taking takes like burnt pages of the manuscript and shoves them in her mouth oh my god God. and they're like rolling around and she's she um uh is able to kind of get the upper hand i thought he was gonna put powder in the champagne he's like nope burnt pages in the mouth typewriter (laughs) Typewriter to the head head. (laughs) i got a new plan now (laughs) and she has a little shotgun i mean a handgun now and so she's like reaching for that, but he trips her. And when he trips her, she falls and smacks her head on the typewriter in the in a bad way. And it knocks her out, maybe dead. Blood is coming from her head now. And I'm going to guess not dead. And he like starts crawling <laughs> towards the door. She comes. Yeah, she's not dead. Has comes for him one last time. And he grabs this doorstop that's like a little metal pig 
doorstop. Ah, oh, misery. Mis- a little misery doorstop. And smashes her face in with it. <gasps> finally killing her. She does die. Whoa. And they both okay. are like laying on the ground next to each other. And then I think it just cuts to black. But we, I guess because um, Buster is now dead there also and probably told people that he was going there so we just assume that they found him there because i was kind of like well wait how are they he's still like alone there Mm -hmm. but we just come back up 18 months later in new york and he is having um dinner or lunch with his agent and basically talking about how he's she says she says if you ever want to write like a a memoir about your experiences like that would be that would really be a hit we'd make so much money and he's basically like i don't ever want to do that um i come on use your trauma <laughs> and we, let's make money off your trauma come on. Come on. and we see that he is very traumatized and he turns to the waitress coming towards them and it is Kathy Bates and he like looks terrified at them and and shakes his head and it's just another woman and he is says like I've been seeing her everywhere. She follows me everywhere and the waitress comes up to him and says sorry I just have to say like I'm your number one fan like I love your uh. books so much and he just like looks really scared and like smiles at her and says thank you that's really sweet and that's the end of the movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh wow that is so good it's really good yeah Damn. i i loved this movie um stephen king you did you did it you did one good fine one. <laughs> stephen you did it we've moved on we have a new number one uh enemy most hated guy and yeah. it's eli roth and it's eli roth Eli Roth, <laughs> number one <laughs> yeah if you guys want to listen to our bonus episode about green inferno Boy, oh boy, that has reached the number one most hated movie most on this hated podcast. And most hated guy. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. But this one is good. This one is good. But Stephen King did like Green Inferno, so don't get it twisted. We still have a problem. Don't get it twisted. We still have a problem. Don't, hey, don't get it twisted. <laughs> he did all good thing. We don't like him. Interesting how Stephen King's experience with addiction does really reflect a woman's experience with, um, like, domestic abuse or violence right um because yeah i can see similarly like even if you do recover from because he was seriously addicted to cocaine yeah Yeah. and i think in the book actually uh the paul sheldon character has an addiction as well and that they didn't include that in the movie but i think in the book it is probably uh, more obviously uh, yeah stephen king like processing his own addiction problems and hey, right. addiction is fucking scary and all that yeah, too. Right. So also also bad. Yeah, and 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 stays with you like your whole life. And, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So even if you've recovered, you're still having to fight it often in the same way where he sees Kathy Bates rounding the corner all the time. Right. Right. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. Spooky. Spooky. Ooh, damn! It makes me. I want to see this because I want to see Kathy. Bates I was going to say it's worth watching for sure for Kathy Bates' performance. She's so fucking good in it um and it's not too scary it's just yeah there's some there's one bad one very bad scene yeah i that was hard to even 
uh, he, I knew it was coming and I couldn't fucking handle it. Oof. I'm I'm really glad to have heard about it, but I definitely this is the type of movie I wouldn't want to watch because you just know like the whole time you're like shit's going to be so bad for this guy. So bad, so bad, so bad. Should I give you guys some uh, spoilers? Yeah, tell us about Castle Rock. Castle Rock season yeah. two. Okay, well. Do they reveal the baby stuff? So that's interesting. That's not really. So there is baby stuff, but not that. Hmm. Um. So in Castle Rock season two, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it, basically, um, first of all, there are two plot lines in Castle Rock season two. One of them has nothing to do with this and they do kind of get interwoven. Right. So well, Castle Rock like, season one is kind of like that where it's it's a bunch of different Stephen King storylines kind of strung together. So it's a few things at once, probably. Yes. So similarly here, but in season two, basically it follows Lizzie Kaplan who plays Annie, the Kathy Bates character, and she's a nurse and she has a teenage daughter and um, they're like, go from town to town and never staying Lizzie long Kaplan in one place. Lizzie Kaplan to have a teenage daughter? I guess she is. I guess we technically could she's supposed to be like 30 and i think her daughter's like 15 so you can kind of see yeah but okay so i keep going (laughs) so um she goes from town to town always like moving between places and she's like steals pills everywhere she is like a whole concoction of pills Mm -hmm. um and is constantly taking like a shit ton of pills to like keep herself kind of normal um and then she gets stuck in castle rock and all this shit goes down and basically like it's revealed that she has all these flashbacks to when she was a child. And when she was a child, she had like serious mental illness problems and got kicked out of school. And her mom was a nurse and her mom was like really against swearing and called people dirty birds Mm. and like really against like any kind of sin at all. And then her dad was a writer and her dad tries to teach her how to read and like homeschool her and she can't read. She like is such a hard time reading and like only reads her dad's manuscript over and over and over again. That's all, all that she reads. And for like 10 years, her dad is trying to teach her how to read. And then finally they get a, a, another teacher to come in and homeschool her. And this other teacher like, really helps her and like teaches her how to read and actually she gets better and blah 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 but um annie has very weird ideas about morality and like really can't see the gray area and anything like clearly thinks everything's black and white either you're evil or you're good Mm. and there's no in between Mm -hmm. black and white thinking is very destructive Mm-hmm. And so then um, this homeschool teacher and her dad start having an affair mm. and they fall in love and the teacher gets pregnant and has a baby. <gasps> and then the dad finally releases his book and he dedicates the book to the teacher and not to Annie. And she like has a mental breakdown and kills like all of them, um, except the baby, which is like in a box that she like brings to the river or whatever and like goes to kill the baby, too. But then the baby like looks at her and smiles and she decides that like the baby's good. And so that's her teenage daughter is that baby. Mm. Um, And so then there's like a whole plot line with the daughter. And all you need to know is that. The daughter dies, ultimately. Mm. And maybe, like, um, that leads and she kills babies because she thinks she can tell by looking at them if they're good or bad. And so maybe, maybe. she was, like, 
killing bad babies. It could be. Who knows? They don't go into that. They don't go into that at all. They like end it when she's still like 30 years old. She doesn't have another husband. There's none of that in Castle Rock season two. And I think, Um, yeah, I think Castle Rock is kind of loose. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I think it's that, not like a one-to-one necessarily. Yeah, and Stephen King, I don't think, wrote any of it. And so it's kind of just like other people living in that world with those characters, but might not be like a legit like prequel. There might be some, mm-hmm. some I can't. Some liberties, liberties taken. taken. Yes. Through, throughout the series and then the final, one of the final scenes of the series, though, is Lizzie Kaplan's character at like a book signing and she's like hallucinating Mm. that her teenage daughter is still there and they're there to see her favorite author Mm. who is Mm, Paul Sheldon. That's yeah, Yeah. Oh, that's also a fun idea that like she met him in a a prior experience to this, what happens in the movie. Right. At Mm -hmm. this book signing. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Like many years prior. Yeah. Ooh, what a good one. Wowie, wowie, wowie. It's so good. Oh, I loved it. Listeners, great choice. Thank you, listeners. I'm excited for what we will do next week. I don't think we have the results just yet, but I'm liking the options so far. It could be Goodnight Mommy, could be Teeth, could be the others. Yeah. It could be. I'm pretty sure it's between Goodnight Mommy and Teeth right now. Yeah. That's where, that's where we've landed. Oh, yeah. Oof, oof, oof. I don't like the sound of a movie called Teeth. <laughs> that doesn't excite me. But <laughs> listeners, you do your thing. I trust you. And we'll see. We'll see how, what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if there's voices in this movie, but this episode comes out on St. Patrick's Day. So I thought we could do <gasps> an Irish accent. Oh, I'll try. Okay, okay. So to, bad. Okay, Irish. Irish. Ireland. Flowers in the garden. The flowers in the garden. Okay, kick us off, oh. Emily. Sounds like you got it. Okay. From all, from all, oh crap! The flowers in the garden. Flowers okay, in the, the garden. flowers in the garden. From all of us from here. From all of us here. From all of us here. T- too scary. Didn't watch. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> too, too scary. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye everybody. Oh, goodbye. Oh, happy Saint Patrick's Day. Happy Saint. Happy Saint Patrick's. Oh, that lost it. Okay, bye. 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 Hello, dear listeners. Emily here. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. If you like the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on social media at TSDW Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Become a patron at patreon.com slash TSDW Podcast, where we are giving members of Tony fucking Collette Center Circle two bonus episodes a month. Um, so check that out. There's other cool stuff there as well. And as always, we'll be here next week with a movie chosen by you via our Instagram uh, March Madness poll. So, you know, we're giving you lots of good reasons to follow. And until next week, just remember that we love you so, so, so much. And we will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Bye.